We'll be lucky to have opening day in May at this point. Once baseball finally returns, there will be quick evidence of the gap in the bullpen talent that exists in the NL Central, and the Reds are not on the good side of that gap. Steve and I explain next. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside co-host Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball and a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We've turned that passion into information for you. On today's podcast, we are going to take a look at where the Reds' bullpen ranks in the National League Central, and we are also going to try and understand exactly what it is that has happened in the CBA negotiations And Jeff, I think that's probably where we should start. Let's start right there with these CBA negotiations. The first two weeks of the Major League Baseball season in 2022 have been canceled. My trip to Cincinnati has been wrecked. I am mad at Rob Manfred and these billionaire owners. And I just am angry, Jeff. I am angry. We had some nice plans. We had some nice plans too. Going to have to push those back though. So I won't tell, we won't tell the listeners what those plans were just yet. Um, Yeah, no, I couldn't believe it. I stayed up with the news on Monday whenever they were going through that marathon of 16 and a half hours of negotiation, which in and of itself, you don't have to tell me, you don't have to get on Twitter and tell me, oh, they're close. You don't have to do the whole John Heyman thing. Yes, opening day will happen on March 31st. You didn't have to do any of that. 16 and a half hours of negotiating tells me that's a positive sign because they had done nothing close to that, nothing even remotely close to that at all during this entire process. So I'm like, okay, 16 and a half hours. They got to be talking about this. They got to be hashing this out. It's like whenever you're watching a football game and you see the replay taking forever, you know, they're about to overturn something because they got to figure out how much time's on the clock and where the ball's at. I figure that's what we were figuring out. That wasn't the case at all, and it's just absolutely frustrating to know how these negotiations went. I don't think we're getting opening day until May, and and that is being optimistic. No, that is being optimistic. I'm 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 looking at June right now, Jeff. I just I can't see I can't see them starting the season before June now. Now listen, I tried to remain as optimistic as the next person. I had a timeline laid out, and for the most part, they were hitting the benchmarks of my timeline. It was it was moving along nicely. And then we reached February twenty eighth. And that was the day things were supposed to happen. And I want to tell you that Major League Baseball is a billion dollar operation. They have a lot of smart people helping to direct the way that they're handling negotiations. They have a lot of smart people helping to, to basically run their spin room. And what happened on February 28th is we got rope-a-doped. We yeah. got tricked <laughs> into believing that these owners were doing something that they weren't doing so that they could create a narrative against the players. And what they really did was lured them into this long negotiation session so that it appeared to us that they were close. And then they dropped in a lot of things that the players had not seen before in the fine print and then tried to say the player's tone has changed. Yes, the player's tone changed. You changed what you were doing. You completely, you completely changed direction on them in our number 16. Of course, 
course they said no. Of course they changed their tone. It is disingenuous. It is unfair to the fans. And it makes me ever more certain that these billionaire owners do not have a clue the damage they're doing to the game and they don't care because they're getting paid today. They'll leave the problems to the next generation because they'll be dead. That was the that was one of the more interesting comments. He made a lot of interesting comments in his 5 p.m. press conference there on Tuesday evening. Uh, did Rob Manfred and one of the things he said he was like the fans were our foremost concern or something to that you know he was trying to say that the fans were of top concern at the top of their mind during these entire negotiations no they weren't no they weren't dollar signs were there are so many different instances and, and, and different things that players have said over these last few days that just confirmed that something that Rob Manfred also said was the, and he even used this, he said, fabricated narrative. Whenever it came to the last CBA negotiation and how the players were duped and all this other stuff, and he said that was all fabricated. I don't even know that that's true now because Ross Stripling, the player rep for the Toronto Blue Jays, came out and said he has this long quote that where he's talking basically about that, you know, 16 and a half hours of negotiating, everybody's tired. The owners are tired. The players are tired. Tony Clark's tired. Rob Manfred's tired. He's probably tired from, you know, practicing his golf swing, all that, whatever. Uh, but you had Russ Stripling saying that when they came with their final proposal, there's all this little fine print. There's all this stuff that wasn't in any of the other proposals. What? Are you serious? There's not two sides to this negotiation that are plain fair, if you will. It's very obvious that the players came knowing that they wanted to change the future of the game. They wanted to make the game better for the players that were coming after them. And the owners wanted everything to stay the same because they soundly won the last couple of negotiations and they wanted to continue that winning streak just it, it, it's that that's where I'm at with this is that as much as I try to spin this sarcastically and, and we even talked about this before we started recording, I want to see if we could add some sort of sarcastic humor to this. I can't man. Like this has strangled my optimism. It really has. It's for <laughs> sure. And you know, there's, there's a lot more to talk about this with Jeff and we're going to get into that uh, in the next segment I think the biggest takeaway so far is that if in order for the players to get what they want, in order for the game to be put on a, a course for long-term success, uh, in, in order for those things to happen, the fans are going to have to do without Major League Baseball to watch for a long time into the summer. The issues remaining that divide these two sides aren't going to get fixed overnight. A quick resolution is, is really a risky bet. And if you want to avoid a risky bet, check out the info over at betonline.net. Betonline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Uh, Betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this upcoming season. Betonline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and along with live real-time update on the current games as they happen and hopefully, at some point in time, that will include Major League Baseball. So don't wait to take advantage of all of the new and amazing offers available to you in the 2022 season. Head on over to betonline.net right now and get yourself informed. BetOnline, it's where the game starts.
Make sure you give Locked On MLB Prospects a listen after today's show. Lindsey Crosby is a minor league encyclopedia, and he's doing a fantastic show over there. He will keep you up to date on the up-and-coming players, as well as dipping into some college baseball as well. Uh, in the absence of Major League Baseball, uh, Lindsey can definitely help fill that void that you have for, for baseball information and knowledge. It's the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. It is free and available on all platforms, just like us here at Locked on Reds. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter. You can follow Locked on Reds at Locked on Reds. You can also follow me at S. Offenbaker, and you can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs because spelling is hard. The show is also available on YouTube. If you are watching us now, thank you very much. Trying to be as handsome as possible for you. And if you are listening to us over on the audio only feeds, head over to YouTube, click that subscribe button, because as Jeff and I have been telling you, there is some good stuff coming if the baseball season will just start. Coming up on the next Locked on Reds, Jeff and I are going to continue our conversation with Charlie Goldsmith from Goodyear, Arizona, where he is getting all of the inside scoops on the up and coming Reds prospects within the minor league system. We're going to finish up that conversation. And it was it was really a good time with Charlie. I look forward to you all getting to hear that. Jeffrey, let's get back into this CBA talk. And I got to tell you that uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm more angry now than when we started the podcast. Uh, <laughs> the, the more I think about it, the more that um, I think that my anger is squarely directed at MLB, the corporation and the owners that run it. Uh, there's a misconception out there that the commissioner's office is designed to represent the best interests of the game. I want to remind our listeners that that is not true, that that philosophy died with the hiring of Bud Selig, an owner, to man the commissioner's office. It is now simply the face of the ownership group collective. That's what the commissioner's office is. Rob Manfred is a puppet and a mouthpiece, and he is not going to do anything that is not in the best interests of the owners. That is the important thing to remember. Everything Manfred says comes from a position of being in the best interest of the owners. And it's important to remember that the owners instituted the lockout. The players didn't strike. The players aren't refusing to work. The players are being told they can't come to work unless they agree to a deal. And this is also at the same time that, you know, Major League Baseball is trying to sneak in all this fine print. The owners are trying to sneak in different things and trying to slide them in under the radar. When you're talking about the players looking for incremental increases and creating a few things that don't currently exist, but at the same time, the owners are just trying to figure out where else they can get one over on them. And the players are tired of it. They inst the owners instituted this lockout. The owners set the deadline for when the negotiations would uh, have to be completed. And it was the owners who took something like almost a month and a half to make their first offer to the players after instituting the lockout. I, I don't understand. Look, there, there are people out there, and I think that they have pivoted from totally blaming the players to let's say we can blame both sides. You can put about 10% of the blame on the players, maybe. You're putting most of the blame on the owners. I don't know, Jeff. I, I mean, I know you have a lot of good numbers that you're going to pull out and talk about what's really going on within this collective bargaining agreement. And I want to just set it up like this. When you look at professional sports, I'm talking the Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, NFL. Major League Baseball players play the most games for the lowest 
base salary. Now, I know there's million-dollar contracts, and there's all these things that go on with the superstars, but the league minimum, the minimum amount of money that they pay professional baseball players for the most amount of games played is the least amount of money. Let's start there. And anybody that's continuing to blame these players clearly has never gone to their employer and asked for a raise, clearly has never tried to change jobs to make more money and improve their financial situation. I understand that the owners have a right to make money. I understand at the end of the day, they're also beholden to shareholders or their ownership group or whatever's going on. But we're talking about players that are asking for a 1% increase in the overall money that they are making from this game a game that just signed a billion dollar contract for an expanded postseason that they don't even have negotiated yet this is it it is a farce to believe that the players bear any responsibility in the stoppage of baseball right now and i don't know if you saw this too but it was in the news the other day that nbc just inked a deal with major league baseball it was a it was either 100 or 150 million dollars i forget how much but for uh baseball to be broadcast on nbc channels and on peacock as well that's a little bit more revenue i would say so yeah where where's the disconnect here plus the players are agreeing to expand a postseason which is going to be more money in the pocket of the owners and they agree to have advertisement patches on the jerseys just get ready for it folks if you if you thought that if you were of the and i'm not really in this group but if you were of the mindset that advertisements on jerseys were an abomination they're coming like in five years, Reds jerseys are not going to look anywhere near what they did in the past. You're going to see something that looks more akin to a soccer jersey. You're going to see advertisements because teams are going to make money off of that. Again, another source of income for the owners. There are many different things that they were trying to accomplish with this CBA. The main thing was getting younger players paid. They weren't coming in and telling the owners that they had to pay Max Scherzer more money, which they they're paying him a lot. Obviously not saying that, but they're not talking about these hundred million dollar a year players that, you know, people are belly aching about. They're talking about the guys who just came up, the Jonathan Indias of the world, the guy who just won rookie of the year and isn't making anywhere near a million dollars a year. So that's where the whole argument of billionaires versus millionaires just gets me because not there's a large contingent of baseball players that are not millionaires. Plus you're talking about the large contingent of minor leaguers who are making almost as much as some of us, maybe even less than some of us are, depending on if they were drafted at all. So with that in mind, one of the issues that the owners and the players are apart on, this isn't as far apart as a couple other ones I want to talk about, but the minimum salary idea, the players want to bump that up to $725,000 to start and then increasing that minimum salary, $20,000 a year following that. Okay, that would be a pretty big jump from where it currently is. And the owners have decided that they want to jump the salary up too. They want to jump it up to $700,000 to start, increasing in $5,000 increments every year. So it's an increase. And I feel like that of the three things that we're going to talk about right here, this is probably the issue that they could actually resolve in a short amount of time. But the other stuff looks rough. (laughs) <laughs> when you're talking about yeah that that salary oh. issue jeff they, they they'll meet in the middle that's what'll happen there that one's that's an easy fix they'll meet in the middle yeah i i agree the the thing that's going to be really tough here is this pre-arbitration bonus pool it's a great idea it is a way to pay 
overperforming, let's call it what it is, overperforming zero to three year service time players like Jonathan India, give them a bonus for their uh, performance. It's a completely brand new thing that hasn't existed in baseball. The players began this idea with a $120 million bonus pool. They have actually came down on that to all the way down to 85 million, which would increase $5 million annually after the first year. But they came down to 85 owners. When they introduced their proposal to this started at 15, 120, 15, like that is a gulf. And now, now the owners compromised. They came up to 30, (laughs) still a $55 million gap and the the owners don't want anything to do with that pool getting bigger each year. They wanted to stay at $30 million in this CBA negotiation in which if they were to sign that kind of a deal for the next 5 years it would be $30 million. And then finally, real quickly, competitive balance tax. The owners don't want anything to do with changing it at all. The players want to bump it up to $230 million. That's the competitive balance tax threshold, the lowest one. Started at 230 and then increase it uh, each year by a number amount, like not a percentage amount, but like $15 million one year, and, and, and so on and so forth. Basically what that is is just, you know, it's a, it's a they call it a soft cap, it's a hard cap, but the owners don't want anything to do with negotiating that, and that's probably going to be the hardest thing for them to figure out. You're not wrong, I, and I think that really at the end of the day, this is probably the thing that's keeping a deal from getting done. This is probably the issue. And until the owners, because listen, them not moving that cap. Okay. If that's really your, if that's your sticking point, if that's your position, we will not increase that cap fine. But then it has to come along with a floor. There has to be a spending floor in order to get these teams to compete a little bit and try. I'm done with the Orioles and the not trying and I'm done with the pirates and the not trying and, and to a greater extent, even the reds for the not trying. Um, and, and yeah, I know they spent some money and uh, there was Dick Williams. That was all Dick Williams and he's gone. Dick Williams is not walking through that door. Things need to be put in place to get teams to try. Oh, and, and if we want to talk about small market teams and teams that don't spend money and, oh, there's a reason that they don't spend money, then why did Derek Jeter choose unemployment over continuing to build the Marlins? Because the Marlins told them they weren't going to continue to build. They were content with where they are right now, which, honestly, if I'm a Marlins fan, which, not to be mean, but I don't know too many Marlins fans. But if all I'm in a, Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Peter Pratt. Post a lockdown Marlins. He's a good dude. You should check that out. But I would feel almost the same as Reds fans because they're right there. They've got a nice rotation. They've got a nice lineup. They've got some moves that they made. If they're not going to make any more, what are they doing? It's it's the competitive the 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 competitive balance tax is a it, it's sort of an umbrella for the owners that really just makes sure that all the rain drips off on the players. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I, I just, I, I can't, it, and, 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 you know, these are complicated financial issues. And yeah. there are people that have gone to a whole lot of college and, and spend a whole lot of time trying to understand all of it. And you and I are not those people. 
But I can tell you that the intent of the thing, at least when I when the players agreed to it, the intent of the thing was to allow there to be uh, a reasonableness to the amount of money teams were going to spend and the teams that went all in and jack things up, it was supposed to benefit the teams that were in small markets to allow them to then put a little bit more money into competing. But that piece of it wasn't really built into the concept. There needs to be a floor. That's, I, 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 that's my hill. I'm staying on it. I'll die on this hill. They've got to institute a salary floor. No. And I, and I agree with you. And looking at the stuff that they've got to they've got to deal with we've been saying it all podcast a deal's not close opening day it's going to be a while which trust me when i say locked on reds will continue to bring you awesome content when it comes to the dragons the lockouts or the lockouts oh my god it's on my mind (laughs) i just said that what city do the lockouts play in Jeffrey? I want to know. Chatta, Chatta lockout, I guess. Um, the Chattanooga lookouts, um, the bats, the tortugas. Yeah. We're, we're going to be covering that a lot more closely. We're going to basically pivot to lockdown reds farm system a little bit. We're going to be talking a lot about that. Plus give you CBA negotiation updates and all that good stuff. But a deal is not close, but Hey, when all this terrible lockout stuff ends, the Reds will be forced to deal with a bullpen loaded with question marks. And uh, yeah, but I tell you what, you can get the question marks out of your snack cabinet by loading it up with Built Bar. Check out Built Bar today at Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. Talking about the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's probably actually better than that. It's covered with 100% real chocolate. Whether you're talking about dark chocolate, milk chocolate, or white chocolate, it's got it all. Right now, you can check out white chocolate cookies and cream. Pretty much an Oreo, but in a protein bar form. You're going to get health stuff from it we're talking about macros we're talking about great stats the kind of analytics that'll make any sabermetrician just well his mouth is going to water go to built.com and check them out today use the promo code locked 15 there's also great flavors like cherry barcia my favorite you've got coconut you've got peanut butter brownie you've got all the fruit flavors you can think of plus you got the puffs protein packed marshmallows I mean, what else do I need to tell you? And it's covered in chocolate. Oh, yeah, there's that. Check him out at built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. Save 15% off your next order. Also, head on over to rockauto.com for your next auto part. Rockauto.com has all of the parts your car will ever need. Whether you are driving a brand new 2022 Honda Accord or you've got, let's go with something I know about, a 1981 Trans Am. There you go. There's parts for that car at rockauto.com as well. And we're talking about good prices. If you're going to go down to the store that's on the corner, they're going to mark things up. They're trying to make a lot of money off of you. Rockauto.com has fair prices and always reliably low. Check them out today. They've got all kinds of great parts for you. And when you're in the checkout section, type in Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us area to let them know that your pal Jeff and Steve from the Locked On Reds podcast sent you. That's rockauto.com. And in the checkout section in the How'd you hear about us area type in locked on rockauto.com has all of the parts that your car will ever need 
Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. Make sure you're following us on all platforms as we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you're watching us right here, thank mm-hmm. you. Make sure that you're subscribed. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, head on over to YouTube. We've got a lot of great stuff coming for you that is going to be video only right on the YouTube channel. That's the Locked On Reds YouTube channel. Subscribe today. All right. Uh, let's talk about something a little bit different here steve we've been talking a lot about how baseball is just disappointing us let's talk about something else disappointing i mean maybe not or is it i don't know we're talking about the reds bullpen and how it ranks amongst the nl central because i'm going to tell you what the way that i see the bullpen rankings in the nl central it's the brewers it's like 50 feet of crap and then it's the cardinals reds cubs and pirates all one word squished together who knows who's got a better bullpen and does it even really matter i don't know but i think that the reds as a whole have a lot of question marks and not a lot of answers this is probably one of the the weakest uh weakest links in the chain that is the cincinnati reds uh the bullpen yeah. uh you know, the bullpen is now going into its second year of being a gigantic question mark. Uh, the team didn't do a whole lot to address it beginning from last year. Uh, we were talking about bullpen, 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 and nothing happened. And finally, near the trade deadline, they bring in uh, Justin Wilson and Luis Sessa. Sessa ended up being a phenomenal pickup. Wilson, eh. But, uh, you know, he wasn't horrible when he was here. But... You know, the bottom line is that there were a lot of guys pitching out of the bullpen last season that had no business being on the major league field. And if those guys get innings this year, uh, it is a huge problem. You know, do I rank them like you just rank them? Uh, I think that obviously the the Brewers are the the class of the division as far as the bullpen goes. I think the Cardinals come in at second. I think the Cubs slightly edge out the Reds. I think then you go Reds Pirates. If if I'm ranking them, that's the way I'm doing it. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we try and do, Jeff, is or, or for sure you try and do is be optimistic about, you know, what the potential of this team is and what can be done. And, uh, you know, I try that as well, but I know that you and I both look at what we have right in front of us. And I think that's why we were both so excited when we talked starting pitching on the last episode, because on paper with what the team has right now, it's great. And if you do the same thing with this bullpen right now, what they have on paper is not so great. No, they have just so many question marks. The biggest question mark is the one that won't get answered all year. And that is TJ Antone. TJ Antone's not coming back this year. He had Tommy John. He's going to miss the entire season. Whenever the season starts to whenever the season ends, he's not going to be here. So what do they get out of him? That's something that we have to kick the can down the road on that topic. But now you're talking about Lucas Sims, because when you looked at the Reds and the Brewers, you could at least say, all right, Josh Hader, Devin Williams, that's ridiculous. But at least we have TJ Antone and Lucas Sims. Now it's just Lucas Sims. And you had mentioned that Luis Sessa is kind of up there with him in your mind as a 1A, 1B when we talked about the bullpen last week. But I also look at some guys who could cro- who could sneak up there and be interesting at least. I, I think of one guy we know nothing about, and that's Dowry Moretta. I think he's got some interesting talent. And I also think of one dude who could really boost up, and that's Tony Santion. It just kind of depends on where the Reds go with him because if they make some moves and they deplete the rotation through trades, do they have to slot him into the rotation and mess that all up? Because I think we both agree the best-case scenario for Tony Santion in 2022 is coming out of that bullpen. 
I really feel like that I don't see Santion being a viable option to move into the rotation. I think the bullpen is too depleted and there's yeah. too many other options uh, with starting pitching arms that they can drop in. I think that they're going to look at Santion to be just a shutdown reliever. And I think that he can be that, you know, I've talked many times that, you know, when you look at sites like baseball reference, it's really hard to get a good metric that is just like a, a, a quick look at ranking these pitchers, uh, especially the relief pitchers. You know, they try to do it with ERA plus. It's not a great stat, but if you're just doing it for comparison's sake, I mean, you can kind of go that route. Uh, Tony Santion was at 165 on his ERA plus. So, you know, 65% above league average. I'll take that for an entire season. That's not a problem. You know, they're still going to have to find a long man. And I think that's going to be your friend and favorite, Jeff Hoffman. I look at him to be the <laughs> the long man. And listen, Jeff, I know, I know. But look, if, if Jeff Hoffman is exclusively a long man in the Reds bullpen, it, taking just a quick look at ERA Plus, he was at 105 last season. And a lot of that came because he pitched well out of the bullpen. 5% above league average for a long man. I'll take it, Jeff, if that's all he does. See, this is and, and this is where I think the huge gap between the Brewers and the Reds comes into play because Jeff Hoffman is a long man in the explanation of the sense of if the game is out of hand, you're you're going to use him. The Brewers have some long men that okay, if the starter gets into a little bit of trouble in the fifth inning, they're not worried. You know, if for some reason Corbin Burns has a rough game, they can bring in Eric Lauer, they can bring in Brent Suter. And they don't miss a beat. Now, I'm not saying those guys are just as good as Corbin Burns, but those guys are really good pitchers. And and for a large part of the season, they could be starting pitchers for the Brewers if they employ that whole six-man rotation that they did last year. And that's just how good those guys are. When I look at Jeff Hoffman, I'm like, there's got to be anybody else, right? Like, some, like I, I know like the length is going to be an issue, but... Philip Deal, can we can we look at him? I know that Charlie Goldsmith talked about him. Um, and we'll hear more about that on uh, the next episode. Uh, you know, I mean, Rivar San Martin, if he doesn't make the rotation, maybe. The problem is, though, what I'm saying right here with this tone, maybe, that's pretty much the entire bullpen. Well, it is because you look at, you have to, you have to look at, you have to do that same, whatever that voice was, you have to do that same thing. When we talk about, we talk about guys like CNL Perez, maybe he figures out how to throw a strike. Maybe. Thankfully Baltimore gets to figure that out. Right. Maybe we get a healthy year of Art Warren, who I think a full healthy season is going to be a good pitcher, but maybe, maybe he's healthy. Maybe he pitches a lot. I don't know. Uh, and, and but that's the thing, Jeff. It's the second year in a row of approaching a season with a roster where we're all going. Yeah, I don't know. Kinda, maybe. If you squint, could be. I don't know. This bullpen is bad right now. I mean, it's got a couple significant bright spots, and then a bunch of bad, and some maybe in the middle. And it's just, it's got to be addressed. It's it's probably the biggest problem, followed closely by right field. And it, if if they don't touch it, it's going to be a big big problem. I thought it was great. They they had this replay of the game one of the ALDS in 2003, the A's and the Red Sox. And it was funny because Cowboy was actually on that broadcast. I believe he was on Fox. Uh, but he was, he was one of the announcers on that broadcast. And the biggest difference between those two teams was the A's had a really good bullpen led by Keith Folk as their closer. And the Red Sox had a terrible bullpen. And that was Byung-Hyun Kim. 
Everybody remembers him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he had a terrible that that game. He had a terrible ninth inning, blew the lead that the Red Sox had, sent it to extra innings. And the whole time, it was funny because on that broadcast, Cowboy was just. I mean, he was he was like a step below, screaming at the guy, like, "What are you doing? You are a sinker ball pitcher, <laughs> and you are not throwing your sinker ball low in the zone. You're trying to strike guys out by throwing a high fastball or something like that." I don't know. It was hilarious, but I heard so much of that this last year, whether you're talking about the radio broadcast with Jeff Brantley, the television broadcast with Chris Welsh, and not yelling at guys, but guys being, you know, seems pretty obvious what they should be doing right now, and they're just not doing it. And I think that all stems from the fact, look, Derek Johnson could be a wizard, and I think he is in most cases. But even when you give a wizard a box of used chewing gum and tape that you pulled off of some kind of Velcro or some kind of like cloth surface. You're not doing anything with that. And that's what they've been trying to do for two years. You know, Jeff, if, if the Heath Hembrys of the world are your saves leaders, (laughs) if your big lefty, if your big lefty is Amir Garrett with a 6.04 ERA out of the bullpen, um, you've got real problems. So, it's got to be, it, there's a lot of pieces that have to fall into place. Uh, we've talked about Art Warren. Amir Garrett, we talked about on a previous episode where we need Amir Garrett to be able to, to throw a fastball for a strike and throw it by people. Those things need to happen. Uh, there, there's, there's so many question marks that I think as we move towards the season, you know, if we move towards the season, uh, we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time dissecting this bullpen on a piece-by-piece basis as we get updated information, as we see what these non-roster invites can do out in Goodyear, as we see how some of these players rebound for career-worst performances. Um, ultimately, it really does boil to hope being a strategy in this bullpen. You know, thanks, Chad, for you know, that particular bumper sticker because that's where we're at. I... Uh... I, I I know we always say hope is not a strategy, but I almost think like the red strategy with their bullpen was how many beers do we have in the fridge? Because that's how I feel whenever we're watching it on the broadcast and we are like the starter cannot pitch anymore. They're going to have to go to the bullpen. How many beers do we have in the fridge? It's- the big takeaway, Jeff, is the Reds bullpen is a really big question mark. And I think that that's probably a good spot to wrap it up today. Uh, we'll wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Coming up on the next podcast, we will continue our conversation with Charlie Goldsmith from Out in Goodyear. Uh, thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Now make Locked on MLB your second listen. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully. Brings you his unique perspective on Major League Baseball, both past and present. Locked on MLB, just like Locked on Reds, is free and available on all podcasting platforms. Jeffrey, it is still the offseason. We are in offseason purgatory. We are still locked out. But what are we? We are Locked on Reds. Every single day, this is the way.